Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Nearly everyone of a certain age, and I see several people of that age in the room tonight, is going to have one of these things. There was a time where it seemed like they came in the mail with, you know, samples of Raisin Bran and Tide. What I'm talking about is the Magic 8-Ball. You remember these things? The Magic 8-Ball. You ask the 8-Ball a question, you know, will Susie say yes if I ask her to the prom? Outlook, not so good, right? Are the Tigers going to be any good this year? Reply Hazy, ask again later. Will my wife be upset if I get a new Jeep? All signs point to yes. You know. <laughs> and so on it would go. The Magic 8-Ball offered in a very elusive treasure. It promised you assurance, the signs of certainty. Now here's the problem with signs. The problem with signs is that the natural temptation is to trust in them. Right? To lean on them as though they were a, a kind of training wheels. And training wheels are good. Training wheels help you to get more comfortable riding the bike. But if you depend on those training wheels, the day that they are not there, you what? You fall right over. It, the same kind of thing can happen when it comes to faith. If you are dependent on you know, mystical messages from the universe to let you know that God is for you, that he approves of you, that you are walking in his ways, that you are following his will, it leaves you and it sets you up for disaster, for a fiasco of faith, because it's so easy to then just fall right over. You treat God like he's a magic eight ball in the sky. It's going to leave you disappointed, if not worse. And it's precisely this picture of pseudo-faith that Jesus wants to address and to attack in tonight's story, the reading from the gospel. What he offers here, we're talking about the signs of Jesus. This is really the anti-sign of Jesus. It's the anti-sign. I'll tell you in a minute why that's so significant. But let's go back to the story itself. What was going on here? Well, apparently word about Jesus had spread, and it's not exactly clear how it had happened. Maybe somebody, you know, snapped a video of Jesus changing water into wine at Cana, put it on YouTube, it went viral, and now everybody's coming after him. Right? However it happened, folks have heard about this wonder-working rabbi, and now it's sort of like if you hear about, you know, your favorite musician or band is going to be in the area, and so you could do a road trip to go see them, right? Now this nobleman, we don't know a whole lot about him, he hears that Jesus is in the vicinity. And so he says, okay, I've got to go and visit this guy. Now, he's probably a, a Jewish man, um, worked in Herod's court. But beyond that, we don't learn a whole lot about him in the scriptures. Suffice it to say, he's a man in dire straits. It says that his son is ill. He's even to the point of death. And so he gets to this place where he thinks, well, I've heard about this Jesus He's healing people. He's in the area. Maybe I'll go and, and see if he can do anything about this. Maybe he can help my son. So he goes, he finds Jesus, and he makes this request of him. Can you heal my boy? He's near death. But what he gets instead is a rebuke. Jesus says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now, I know that sounds harsh, and it is harsh, 
But one thing that bears mentioning here is that when Jesus says, unless you see signs, the you there is actually a, a, a y'all, okay? It's a you plural. Jesus isn't just addressing this man. His beef isn't with this particular guy. It's with this whole culture of questing after signs and wonders that had come to be following after him. People are coming to Jesus just looking for him to, what's the next trick that he's going to do? Well, he can heal this guy. Maybe he can feed these people. He can do this or that thing. They want to see if he can do one of those signs now. And now, in this particular case, yes, this man, he's, he's in real need. But Jesus wants to make clear for him and for all the rest of those who are gathered there, he's not just some wonder-working magician. He's not a, a magic eight ball who's sent to give them certainty so that now they can have proof that he is sent from God as he claims to be. No, Jesus isn't going to, to play that game. What that man needs, what all of those people need, what you and I need, is a true trust in Christ. We don't need training wheels. We need to be able to lean on the Lord himself and not just be looking for messages in the sky or signs in the sand. But that being said, it's kind of surprising what happens next. You kind of expect Jesus to say, well, unless you see signs and wonders, you will never believe. So beat it. <laughs> but he doesn't do that. The man comes back to, uh, to Jesus again. And you notice he doesn't, he doesn't argue with the Lord. He doesn't dispute the point. It's like he's conceding, yeah, you know what? I do have a pretty weak faith in this moment. But Lord, I need you. You're the only help that I have got. You can hear that breathless pain in his plea. It's like, okay, Jesus, I'm going to throw up a Hail Mary or a Hail Jesus, as the case may be. Right? And Jesus says to him, okay, go. Your son will live. And sure enough, the servants report to the man, straight away, his son is healed. What hour did it happen? Oh, okay, yes, that was when Jesus said that. Boom. So what gives? Is Jesus against signs or not? He has just said the, about the, the weakness and the flaws of a faith that relies on signs, and then what does he do? He goes and performs another one of his signs. Jesus, we're getting kind of mixed messages from you here. You know, it's, it's like when the Magic 8-Ball says, ah, it's still too cloudy, it's too hazy. That's what we're getting from you here, Lord. Are you against signs or are you not? But notice this. Jesus does not, in fact, offer the man a sign, some tangible proof in the moment. What does he give to him instead? A word. A simple utterance. All that man leaves with is the promise of Jesus. Ultimately, the boy will be healed, in fact, in that moment. But the guy didn't have his cell phone on him. He couldn't just call up and find out, hey, you know, I was just here with the Jesus guy, and he says the, my son will live. Well, how did things work out? Of course, he can't do that. He left his phone at home like a doofus. No. He has to just trust the word of the Lord. This will be another demonstration of Jesus' power. But in that moment, all it is is Jesus' promise, that bare word of Christ. And that's why this is the anti-sign. 
It's the sign against signs. It's the sign that undercuts our reliance or dependence on mystical messages, on mystical powers performed by God in order to give us that that confirmation and uh, certainty that we need. And that's why this anti-sign is precisely so valuable for you and me. See, this nobleman finds himself in a position that's very similar to us. We don't have the physical presence of the Lord Jesus in front of us. And in order to do a sign for us, whenever our faith starts to flag, whenever we start to be assailed by doubts, we can't just say, Jesus, can you call up another one of those signs for us here? Give us that certainty. We're not in that place. Instead, we're in the place like that of the nobleman who has a faith now that can't be dependent on signs, but can only be, if anything, confirmed by the sign. All he had to go on was the promise of Jesus. And that's how it is for you and me, too. We're not given the promise of signs. Instead, what we are given is the sign of promise. And what we see here in this story is that that is enough. And in fact, Jesus will go on to say, that's more than enough. You remember what he tells Thomas, doubting Thomas, toward the end of John's gospel. Thomas had said, if only I could what? See, if I could see him, if I could see the the wounds in his hand and in his side. But until that happens, I will never believe. Well, Thomas gets that, doesn't he? He receives that vision of the resurrected Christ. He's able to reach out and touch him. But you remember what Jesus says to him next. He tells him, have you believed, Thomas, because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. It's a word for you and me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who don't have a miraculous magic eight ball to rely upon, but instead simply have this promise, this word of Christ, which is steadfast and sure, the word of the Lord that endures forever. You and I, we have that sign, the sign of the promise of Christ, who says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says, you have that word. Now go in peace and know that I am for you. This is even better than a faith that is dependent on signs. They say, well, wait a second. No, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had the signs? It wouldn't be because then your faith is is fragile. It's good so long as you have those messages, those little confirmations in your day-to-day life that say, yes, okay, I'm doing the right thing. God is for me, all is well. But what about when the signs go quiet? What about when you don't get those miraculous confirmations that you had come to rely on? Then your faith just crumbles. Our faith is not meant to have signs as a foundation, but as a confirmation. See, I'm not saying to you that the Lord can't and won't still give us those messages sometimes or those miraculous signs. He may. I think he does. But they come not as the basis of our faith, but instead as an added blessing to our faith. You might think of it like this. You'll hear people say sometimes, it still boggles my mind, people will say, I love living in northern Michigan as long as there's no snow. I say, well, friend, you are in for a hard fall. And difficult winter as well. 
But if you are living instead and saying, you know what, I'm expecting there to be snow. I live in northern Michigan after all. But you find yourself in March and there's beautiful blue skies and there isn't any more sign in the forecast for a week. Then it comes to you as an added grace and blessing. Indeed, as a sign from heaven that God loves us and he's pleased with us. You understand my point? So long as our faith is dependent on signs, on no snow, it's fragile. But if instead we know that come what may, God is for us in the snowy days, in the cloudy ones, no matter what may be, that he is with us. And then every once in a while the clouds break. We recognize and we have those added reminders and confirmations. It's a blessing, but it can't be expected. It certainly can't be demanded. But what you can count on is that promise of Christ. He is with you always. You can count on it. Indeed, it is decidedly so. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to sing the Magnificat.